0: Today's sermon passage is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." This is the word of the Lord.
1: Amen. You may be seated. As you find your seat, let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We believe that it's good and true. We believe that it's a gift. And now we pray you would speak to us from it. Help us, O God, we pray to see Jesus and to delight in him. We pray in his name. Amen. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bible and turn over to the book of Matthew, chapter six. Here at Redeemer, we have been considering a a very important theme in the scripture, the theme of God's kingdom. The theme of God's kingdom. Throughout the scripture, there is a, a, a story of how God is the the ruler over all, and ultimately, he is building a people who joyfully follow him and carry out his purposes in the world. And and as we've been navigating this story of kingdom, we ended in this passage last week with the exhortation to seek his kingdom first. I'm not going to re-preach that. I would encourage you to go listen to that if you missed it, because really, that is the main drive Of this passage. But also in this passage, we see this to seek the kingdom, you must seek the king. To seek the kingdom, you must seek the king. And the king is Jesus the Savior, the king is Jesus the Messiah. So we're studying the kingdom and we're saying, Look at the king, look to the king. And we begin today this season of Advent where God's people say, Our king has come and he's coming again and I find joy in him. And so I'm going to see if from this passage today, I can put these two themes together for us. We're at that time of the calendar year where we as Christians say things like Jesus is the reason for the season and Jesus is the answer to everything and We just need Jesus and he came and that heals everything. But often what we don't address is this. What's the question? What's the problem? Why is Jesus the answer? Why is Jesus the hope? Why is Jesus the reason for celebration? Why should we be thankful that he came? Why should we hope that he will come again? And until we answer the, the the why does it really matter question, then a lot of this celebration can just be going through the motions. And here is the testimony of the scripture: the whole thing in a couple sentences. The world is broken because of sin, and Jesus came to redeem and to restore and to heal the brokenness of the world. Now, that kind of sounds out there and distant, doesn't it? The world's broken, and Jesus came to heal the brokenness. So my challenge for you today is is to help us all wake up to the reality that we're broken, and brokenness is all around us, and we need Jesus. Jesus we're broken and brokenness is all around us and we need Jesus. and, And really what Christ is doing to heal the brokenness of the world will heal and restore us as well. So Jesus is the solution to the world's brokenness and hope for the broken. Now, The New Testament was written into a context where the brokenness was very evident for God's people. God's people, Israel, were in captivity to the Roman Empire. And that's not a geopolitical statement, while it was geopolitical, but that captivity was punishment. That captivity was punishment for rebellion against God. That captivity was punishment for God's people turning away from him and their longing was for him to come and restore them out of that captivity. So, if you were a re- living and moving in the world when Jesus came, your reminder of brokenness was really simple. Get up, look out the window, still see a Roman soldier, still under that oppression. Broken people need God's deliverance. I think the challenge of the day for us is this. How do we get affluent, well-off, relatively smooth way of life suburbanites to see we're broken and we are a part of a broken world that needs a redeemer? I think what Jesus does here in Matthew 6 is a spotlight to show us our brokenness and a spotlight to show us how he is the answer for our brokenness, which, which he says. Now, some of you are like, Jamie, I feel brokenness so deeply. I don't need you to show me that. The second part of the sermon is for hope but I think going into a season of Advent here in Hendersonville in 2020, what year is this, 21? It's been a long year. In 21, the decade that was 2021, um, is, is to remind us of our brokenness. So the first point, if you're taking notes this morning, is our brokenness. This single passage the way Jesus unfolds it, highlights four struggles. And the presence of the struggle testifies to our brokenness and our need for Jesus. So let's look at the passage together. Now, last week, when we went through this, really focusing on seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I had no less than five of you come up to me after the sermon and say, I'm so thankful you talked about anxiety today. I really needed to hear that. And I'm like, I didn't talk about anxiety. I just read the words and we kept going. But today, we're gonna talk about anxiety. Welcome. Four struggles. Number one, a treasure struggle. This is verses 19, 20, and 21. Jesus says this, we're either with our life storing up, we're storing up treasures. They're either earthly, worldly treasures or they're, he says, heavenly treasures. So either we're storing up treasures of the things that belong to the Lord, belong to his kingdom and are eternal, or we're storing up treasures that are worldly and temporary and failing and falling. Which one is it? Well, if we're honest, at best, the answer for all of us is some of both. But Jesus says this, verse 21, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Meaning this, the more you value treasure, stuff, tangible things and titles and Position and all the things that a broken world offers us, the more we treasure it, the more we will pursue it. And Jesus is saying that this very struggle testifies that we need the exhortation, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the, the treasure struggle is a testimony of multiple kingdoms battling for our allegiance. Another phrase for multiple kingdoms battling for our allegiance is, I'm a broken person in a broken world. So if you feel this tension, Between the things of this world and the things of the Lord, welcome. You're in good company. This tension is actually a sign of God's spirit at work in us because without that, we wouldn't even have the tension. But the tension says, I too am broken, which makes me a part of a broken world which needs a great Savior. All I'm doing in this first sermon is inviting you to move from, yeah, the world's broken to, yeah, we're broken. The second pathway, verses 22 and 23, is a struggle of, I hate this word because it's so misused, but a struggle of vision. Really, let's call it sight, a struggle with, with seeing correctly. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, he makes this metaphor about the eye is the lamp of the body. What he's saying is, let's just say, and that some of you are like medical scientists, you're like, that's not really how it works. Okay, forget that for a minute. Like, it's a metaphor, okay? It's a metaphor. But what he's saying is, the eye is where light comes in. So if you need light, you've got to use your eye to look At light. But if you're deceived and your eye is not bringing in light, but it's bringing darkness into darkness, how dark will the darkness be? Sounds like Dr. Seuss, but let's go with it. So, what Jesus is saying is your eye must be fixed on light if you're going to know and walk in light. If not, you'll have darkness. So Jesus says, where we set our vision, where we set our eye, that's where we will get our light, which which then he's going to offer. Seek me first. Seek my kingdom first. Set your eye on me. Teenage drivers, let me give you a little clue, okay? Whatever you look at, that's where the car's going. So if you look at that house on the side of the road, your car's going that way. Okay. Just wanted to get that on the record, teenage drivers. You're welcome, parents. But there's a reality there. Like, like he, Jesus is saying, set your eye on me. So this tension between setting our eye on Christ or setting our eye on all these things that are ultimately darkness, this tension testifies to our brokenness, and it testifies to our being a part of a broken world. Third, verse 24, there's an allegiance struggle. There's an allegiance struggle. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, for some of you, um, maybe the Lord's speaking directly about money and, and this is your tension and you can repent of it. But you can put all host of, of f- fake masters there for money. The point is you can't serve too. You can't have ultimate allegiance to God and anything else, any other master, any other Lord, any other thing which screams for your devotion. You'll notice in these, the treasure struggle, the sight struggle, the allegiance struggle. I'm not even asking, do you feel it? I'm just assuming you feel it because it's there all around us. And this struggle about allegiance is my ultimate allegiance in Christ, or is it in getting that promotion, or is it in that next big thing that's going to bring us peace and joy and happiness? It never does, does it? It just never does. The grass is never greener. If you feel this allegiance struggle, then what you're being brought into is the the realization that you too are broken, and you too are a part of a broken world. Now, some of you are like, dude, I'm above all that. Okay, good. Next, fourth struggle, verses 25 through 34. This is the worry struggle. Do you worry about anything? Ah, ah, ah. Now you've gotten uncomfortable here on the day after Thanksgiving, pastor? Yes. Jesus says this, what you worry testifies to what you worship, which means what you worry about losing is exposing your treasure struggle and your sight struggle and your allegiance struggle. Your worry testifies to your brokenness and your need for Jesus. That's uncomfortable, isn't it? And he goes just like to like the most basic things. Like, why do you worry about food, drink, your body, or your clothes? Why? why? And then he makes some, I think, very helpful observations about worry. Number one, the sum total of who you are, this is verse 26, I'm sorry, the end of verse 25, is not... Your food, your drink, your body are what you wear. Your life is more than these things. Then he says, verse 26, I'm sorry, verse 27, your worry doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't add an hour to your lifespan." And then he says, God provides for the birds. They get food and water and they don't even work for it. And you're more valuable than the birds. And then he says, the flowers of the field, they grow and they're adorned. And they're beautiful. And they don't even work for it. But God does it. And you're more valuable than the flowers of the field. So Jesus says, your worry exposes that your allegiance and your treasure and where you set your eye is misaligned and that you too are broken and you too are a part of a broken world. So where we see this treasure struggle, sight struggle, allegiance struggle, and worry struggle, we are being acutely reminded that we're broken people in a broken world who need a redeemer. Come on, Jamie, that's not very hopeful and uplifting this morning. It is, it is. Here's how it's hopeful and uplifting. Number one, that brokenness which you feel, it's not just you. It's all of us. The world is broken. That brokenness which we feel, it tells us that God is aware of it. And that brokenness which we feel, which is all around, which God is aware of, the scripture tells us God has addressed it. This is why his son came. And that pushes to the second point, our redeemer. Now notice what Jesus does with this. Don't lay up for yourself treasures in earth. Don't pursue darkness. Don't try to serve two masters. Don't be anxious. Like, that would be really bad therapy, just for the record. Like, not opposed to therapy. Been to therapy. We'll probably go again to therapy. But if it was just like, well, don't be scared. Don't be sad. Don't be upset. Don't be hurt. Just, just don't. Just quit. Like, anybody going to keep going back? That doesn't help. Because we feel it. It's real. It's all around us. I'm not saying cover up the brokenness. I'm saying expose it and admit it and acknowledge it and believe that Jesus is the solution for all the world's brokenness. He actually offers himself as that. Look. Look. Don't be anxious. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The solution to our brokenness, Jesus says, is the king of the kingdom. The solution to our brokenness is Jesus himself. That's what he's offering up. He says, and the Lord will care for you. The Lord will guide you. The Lord will help you. The Lord will direct you. So, so, friends, I just said, Jesus isn't saying just pretend everything's okay. But sometimes when we say Jesus is our redeemer, he's the solution to our brokenness, we're kind of saying, So pretend everything's okay. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure me. Do all the work. Get all the help. Friends, discipleship, counselors, do all the work. Get all the help so that you will treasure me above all. Verse 22 and 23, this this vision, set your eye on me. You want light? Look to me. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am light. I am hope. You want light? Set your eyes on me. No one can serve two masters. Give your allegiance to me. Your worry, your anxiety, your anxiousness, look to me. And Jesus gets most explicit with this one because he says, the heavenly father cares for the birds. The heavenly father cares for the flowers. You're of more value than the birds. You're of more value than the flowers. You belong to the Lord. Seek first his kingdom. And as you seek him, All these things will be added to you. He will provide for your needs. What Jesus is saying in Matthew 6 is that Jesus and his kingdom are the solution to all the brokenness all around us. So what I want and praying and longing for is we take a step back from this passage of Scripture Is that we would see that we too are broken. That our world is broken. And that Jesus, God's Son, the Savior, and the Messiah, is the one who came to right all the wrongs Heal all the brokenness and make and establish God's eternal kingdom where His people follow joyfully and submit to His rule in His presence forever. This is the Christ that we worship. This is the hope of our Jesus. So here's some hopes that I have for us this Advent. Number one, that we would see indeed that the world is broken and that we are part of the brokenness. These questions from Matthew 6 will help us see that. Second, I am praying and yearning that we will believe that Jesus is the restoration and the reconciliation and the redemption of all the world's brokenness. Now, I have worded that very intentionally. Notice that I said we'll see Jesus as the hope of the world's brokenness and not in a very personalized American way, I will see Jesus as the hope of my brokenness. Why? Well, because Jesus came to do cosmic things. He came to heal everything and restore and redeem all things throughout all the world. And if Jesus redeems and restores all things, guess what's going to be redeemed and restored? My brokenness and your brokenness. But we get so hyper-fixated on our stuff that we forget that Christ came to do these great and amazing and transcendental things that also heal us. So sure, let's pray that the Lord would work mightily in our lives, but let's long for him to heal and restore all things. Third, I'm praying that the phrase come Lord Jesus would not just be empty Christianese, but it would become the cry of our heart. When I see my sin that I struggle with day by day, come Lord Jesus. When I see my wife or my close friend or my kids struggling with their sin that comes day by day come Lord Jesus when I see people around me struggling with hurt and anxiety and grief and trauma and all the realities of a fallen world let the cry of my heart be come Lord Jesus because that's the hope When I see travesties playing out in the streets and across the nation and around the world, let the cry of our heart become Lord Jesus because he's going to come to bind up and heal all of that. So what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to look at promises God made of what his son would do and how his son did them. And we're going to hold them up so that we would be doing what Matthew 6 tells us to do. And that is, we would be seeking the king of the kingdom. Leaning to him, crying, Come, Lord Jesus. Now, that cry of come, Lord Jesus, is a cry of faith and a cry of hope that belongs to the children of God. Because the scripture says, when Christ comes again, he's coming to redeem his people. And part of of reconciling all the things will will be a, a judgment against sin. So some of us in this room, before we cry, come Lord Jesus, need to cry, save me, Lord Jesus. If that's where you are today, if you know your sin, you know your brokenness, you know your need for a Savior, I want to exhort you to look to Jesus today and say, forgive me. Take away my sin. Make me a child of God. Give me new life. Help. Save me, Lord Jesus. If you're thinking that, if you're praying that today, come talk to me after the service, right through those double doors to the left, the table with some resources about Christ, and a person who would love to pray and talk with you about coming to Christ for salvation. Those of us here who are children of God, those who know Christ, who have confessed our sin and been redeemed and restored, come on, team. We are invited to celebrate what Christ has done for us by taking the Lord's Supper. And taking the Lord's Supper, what we're saying is, I belong to Christ. I'm a child of God. The kingdom he's building is something that I will enjoy forever. Thanks be to his holy name. The bread symbolizing The body of Christ broken for us, the cup symbolizing the blood of Jesus poured out for us. If that's where you, if you are a Christ follower today, then we invite you to worship and respond to the word by taking the Lord's Supper with us. So we're gonna sing. Some folks are gonna come up and pass the bread and cup. And I'll come in just a few minutes and we'll take them together.